Welcome back, Hoosiers. It is Friday, September 10th, and this is, as always, Locked on Hoosiers, your daily source for IU Athletic News. I am your host, as always, Jacob Rude, joined today by special guest, which we will get to in just a moment. Before we dive into that, though, it's not too late to listen to the Ultimate Season Preview for 2021. Uh, The Locked On Podcast Network previewed every NFL team, NFL division using Odyssey's NFL experts. So search the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, you can subscribe to Locked On Hoosiers while you guys are searching for the Ultimate Season Preview. Uh, we you can follow us at lo underscore hoosiers on twitter or locked on hoosiers on instagram today we are going to get you completely ready for saturday's game against idaho with the first two segments and then we will talk about the iu basketball schedule in the final segment as i said joining me today he will be a regular guest i believe on tuesday episodes in the future but we wanted to get him in this week before uh, the second game is Jared. Jared, let the people know a little bit about you and uh, your time at IU. Oh, what's going on, everyone? My name's Jared. Uh, IU, I, uh, I was a freshman in 2011. Uh, fun fact about me, IU-related. I have been at two of our more infamous games in our history. Uh, I was in attendance, GA seats for IU-Kentucky, the Watchshot game. And I was also being a New Yorker at the Yankee Stadium game against Duke. Um, it went in. The kick it, was good. Kick, kick was good. I have nothing else to add on top of that. I, I just needed needed to get it off my chest. The kick was good. I've never been more confused in a stadium, and I was in a stadium during. The, <laughs> during the, I was I was at the Jets game with the butt fumble, where the whole stadium was confused. So this this actually matched that in terms of confusion. So. That's a little bit of my background. Uh, all fun, obviously. I, I have nothing but fun talking about IU sports. Yeah, I was also in attendance uh, for that watch shot game. We did not know each other back then. Uh, did you steal a seat or have any? Do you have anything hanging on your wall for a uh, uh, souvenir from that game? I don't, but a fun fact, and I want to air out my friends for it. My two best friends, freshman year of college, Foster Harper dorms. Uh, Brian and Alex, give them a quick shout out. They had GA seats with me because back then, if you remember, we all bought, you know, you bought the yeah. tickets and you got 16 games and two of the seats were GA in the good old days. Um, they were given, they were part of my season ticket package. They got the GA seats. They then sold their GA seats for the worst $400 anybody has ever made in their entire lives, 18-year-old freshman or not. I was given my ticket to the game. By a friend of mine, I was ready to, she she had season tickets, I did not that season, I was ready to pay her, I was a college kid with $40 in my account, so I didn't really know what I was going to pay her, she was a good friend of mine dating back to high school, she said, no, no, you can just have the ticket, and I was like, are you aware that I could sell this for like $500 right now, and she's like, well, I trust that you won't, so it's fine, which she was right, I was never going to sell that, so I did not steal anything. I was too in shock. I didn't even rush the floor. I was just sitting there like I had the same fe- same face Tom Crean had, only it didn't go away. And I was just standing there in shock for uh, for quite a while watching everything unfold around me. Uh, those were some good times, some good times. Hopefully, 
IU football will be able to replicate some of those moments this season. Certainly had me shocked in a different way in week one, but they will be back in action on Saturday as we dive into everything you need to know for Saturday's game. As we've said all week, and as you guys hopefully listen to on Wednesday's episode, uh, they will be playing Idaho, who we gave you guys a great preview of with uh, the voice of the Vandals, Chris King, on Wednesday. Kickoff is set for 7.30 p.m. at uh, Memorial Stadium, obviously, in Bloomington. Uh, You guys, if you do not have a ticket, can catch it on the Big Ten Network. Uh, The... I would recommend if you are going down there to take a look at IU's website. They've been tweeting out or posting things relating to parking and driving because shocker 37 is still a mess. Now uh, I 69 for half of the way there, but it is still a mess. So there's news with parking and whatnot. Uh, I'm sure most of you are planning on a long trip down there. So uh, I hope you are. I hope you're planning for that trip. But there's no line for bet on betonline.ag for this game. I looked at other places just to verify there's no line anywhere for this game. Not shocking, even if it is cowardly. I want to make some money on this game. Uh, but the Hoosiers, we talked about SP Plus during the preseason leading into week one. They, not shocking, took a bit of a bump after that week one performance, dropped to 51st. Uh, the There'll be a lot of fluctuation in this early in the season as the projections are phased out for actual results. And considering where the Hoosiers were projected and what the actual result was, not shocking that the Hoosiers uh, dropped quite a bit in SP Plus this week. But they do do a uh, weekly kind of game-by-game preview. Bill Conley does over with ESPN for those that aren't familiar with it. Uh, The Hoosiers are... Uh, projected margin of victory of 36.2 points. The projected score rounded is 44 to 8, uh, 98% win pr- probability. If the line was 36 and a half, which side are you taking, Jared? I mean, did, did, did we watch the same game on Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that I could actually this bet is- on the Hoosiers to cover that one. This line is implying that we have the ability to score 36 points at, at a minimum, at a minimum. So I'm, I, I, you know where I, you know where I would put my money. Yeah, for right now, I do not think that you could uh, bet on IU at 36 and a half. But again, those numbers have a certain bit of projection built into them right now. Uh, it should be a really interesting atmosphere. Uh, hopefully, a very large atmosphere. I do not believe at time of recording that this game is sold out. I would be a little surprised if it did sell out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that that would have been the case if they, uh, you made a, a great comment. If they actually uh, put up a fight, do you think this would have been a sellout this week? Yeah. If they put up a fight, I think it would have been a sellout. I, I, there are so many scenarios in which this should be an easy IU football sellout. And they picked the one route they picked, you know, Matrix trailer just came out today. You know, you could have picked the red pill or the blue pill. For some reason, they picked the green pill, which <laughs> was zero people excited about this season. So they have no one to blame but themselves. But yes, this should have been an easy, easy sellout against a, a theoretically inferior opponent. Knocking on wood on that. But it's still as as frustrating as that, as that week one game was. It's still a game that 
I would still expect a good amount of fans to show up to this game. And obviously next week game, next week's game is already sold out. So uh, it should be back to back, really good atmospheres. I hope you guys that are going really, um, not that they deserve it after last week, but really provide a great atmosphere for that game. We're going to dive into some of the stuff that we are looking forward to, not necessarily matchups this week, because to be honest, not really any matchups I'm keeping an eye on against an FCS school with all due respect. I may eat those words on Monday again, but for now, uh, nothing I'm really looking forward to in that regard. So we're going to look at some things that we hope the uh, Hoosiers can improve upon from week one uh, here in just a moment. But before we do that, do you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising? The game's rigged against you, and you're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You really don't stand a chance. So I want to introduce you to a new way to play daily fantasy sports called Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the players in front or in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineup and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name the stakes and the winner takes all. You have the advantage and Stat Hero is showing you their lineup ahead of, ahead of time. No one else does that. You're in total control. Stat Hero is daily fantasy sports the way it was meant to be. One on one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match that's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Stathero.com slash locked on. As we mentioned, not really necessary any matchups uh, to watch. We did talk a little bit about some of the standout players for Idaho, whether it was out wide with Hayden Hatton, Trey Walker is one of the top linebackers in FCS, but Uh, Again, those are areas you hope the Hoosiers can handle. Uh, So we're each going to give a couple things we want to see the um, Hoosiers improve upon this week. For me, number one, far and away, that offensive line has to be demonstrably better this week. There was a lot of talk in the preseason that they seemed to think they had figured things out. Jared, did it seem like they figured things out in week one? Uh. If we're judging by the first about 30 to 40 snaps of the game, I, I'd say no. Uh, they, they did not fix those issues. It was a complete disaster. You could tell from minute one, the left side of the offensive line in particular, the whole line was overwhelmed. I don't want to call out one particular player, but that left side of the offensive line in particular was just so overwhelmed. Penix had no time. He had no ideas of what to do. He had no, you know, he didn't even have time to formulate an idea of what to do with the football in his hands. So, look, this is, you know, look, this is a run-first football team. Everyone knows it. It's the Big, T- it's the Big Ten, let alone IU. Run-first football team. Quite frankly, Stephen Carr is not Stevie Scott. He he just isn't. Nothing wrong with that. But Stevie if- Scott was really good. Stevie Scott, Stevie Scott can break through that first layer of contact anytime that he, almost anytime that he wanted. Mm-hmm. I don't quite think we have that on the team this year to sort of mask that flaw. So the offensive line just has to be better. Pass protection, run protection, every single aspect. They they have to have to have to improve. Nick Sheridan spoke this week about that being a priority 
and helping um, Penix get into a rhythm, getting the protection schemes right so that he is comfortable in those positions and in those situations to get into a rhythm early so that, as you said, he has time to have thoughts about where to go and go to second and third reads because that certainly was not the case on Saturday. Again, you would hope the fact that they are playing Idaho after playing Iowa would play into that a bit, but that is by far the biggest thing I think the Hoosiers need to do, whether it is run blocking, pass blocking, whatever. It doesn't seem like there's going to be too many shakeups in the offensive line this week, although they talked about potentially um, just getting the best five guys out there. The depth chart did not really indicate there'd be anything big, big shakeups, but with the Hoosiers and Tom Allen, they don't always kind of show their cards in that regard, and we may see some new things on Saturday. Other thing kind of tied to that, Michael Penix has to be better this week. And listen, we were as high as anyone, or I was as high as anyone on Penix coming into the season. There were times in that first game where I couldn't even describe what was happening. It was like he was, it, Iowa players knew where he was throwing the ball before he was throwing the ball. And those three interceptions easily could have been doubled. Uh, was there any reason for optimism from that game for Penix moving forward? Absolutely not. Uh, and look, I'm still optimistic about Michael Penix personally. I think that there is plenty reason, you know, from the past to be optimistic about Michael Penix moving forward. That did nothing for me. And look mm. again, first game on the road to first stadium with fans in two years. I, I that is not an easy environment. You don't walk into Iowa in that kind of environment and expect to win. That being said, I, I don't feel good about anything that Penix showed me this weekend. The, you know, that first pick six on that first drive. And I blame this a lot on the coaching staff as well. Okay. That first drive, you know, you have a quarterback coming back from a severe, severe season ending injury you always, always, always script them easy plays, simple plays to make things work. Rece- you can't script a receiver falling down. I understand that. He missed that throw so badly. It was really concerning with how bad. And the one, at, I think it was, what was it? The end of the first half where to say that he forced a throw to a receiver who had his back turned. I mean, that was bad. That's a mental mistake where he's on the move. Obviously, he didn't have time to really go through his reads. But at that point, he's been on the move. He's now gone from the middle of the field to the sideline. And for some reason, he still makes that decision. That's not a decision I want my quarterback making. At that point, I think I texted you, we might have to bench him for the game. Mm-hmm. But I- I'm I'm personally optimistic about Penix. Nothing that I saw on Saturday gives me a reason to be. I think I think that's where I land. Yeah, that third interception particularly was Tom Allen said he was trying to throw it out of bounds. Maybe that was the argument. There was a receiver going to the sideline a little deeper. The the receiver he threw just overhead of was blocking. So there's no way that was a receiver he was aiming at necessarily. Yeah, it it was really hard to explain. So I'm still optimistic. We talked I thought he'd be able to shake off the rust a little bit better. We're going to hope 
for now that a lot of that was rust and playing in a I mean, that's one of the more hostile atmospheres they're going to play in this season with the Ohio State game being at home. So we'll chalk that up to that for now. But Penix certainly has to show a lot more this week. Look, we'll, we'll, I'm happy to chalk it up to that. All I'm saying is we went, what, 5-1 and one last year in the regular season, 4-1 and one in the regular season last year. We came into the season 17th ranked overall, 16th ranked overall. Look, this is what happens when you have a team with expectations. We have not had an Indiana football team with expectations in decades. borderline years. I was going to say borderline generations at this point. Yeah, yeah. This is, you know, this is what happens when you have a young, enthusiastic team that's never really faced expectations before and they failed their first test. It doesn't mean that they're going to fail their second or their third or their fourth. But this was really, really, I mean, top to bottom, just so, so, so disappointing from... A lot of players too, who we, who we have a lot of faith in, you know, not blind faith. A lot of faith that we saw, especially last year. So, like, you don't want to be, you don't want to be the Lakers on Twitter, where everyone's calling it a Disney championship. You know, I don't want people saying, look, we were a Disney ranked top twelve team because we weren't. That felt like a special team last year. It still felt like a special team going in at, you know, Saturday up until about three thirty Eastern Standard Time, probably three thirty four Eastern Standard Time, with how that. First Iowa drive went, but it's it still it still feels like this team can do something special. We'll see. That's an interesting point because if you think back to the last two games that they played, the the bowl game was a similar scenario in which it was a lot of talk about how IU deserved better. They shouldn't be in this game. They're way too good to play against that Ole Miss team. And then it was a very similar performance. They got it handed to them for three and a half quarters and couldn't make the comeback quick enough down the stretch. So it'll be interesting to see. It's not a game that they're going, should be challenged in. They come in as a heavy favorite. We'll see if they're able to get that momentum rolling early. Is there anything you will be keeping an eye on on Saturday? So yeah, a a couple of things I want to keep an eye on, but first I want to ask you because we we were, again, we were texting about this before the game. And we were talking about, you know, I wish we were playing Idaho this week, week one. We, we need the tune-up game. We were talking, we really wish we had a tune-up game. You know, it's exciting to go into Iowa week one, but we really want that tune-up game. And do you think we beat Idaho if if we play that same kind of way with that same kind of energy in week one that we did against Iowa? I'm a, I'm a blind optimist at times, so I would say yes, because I really do think that kind of atmosphere was pretty jarring considering how long they played without fans. The way they started certainly put them way behind the eight ball and had that place rocking and shaking. So I think that, that a lot of those things wouldn't have been the same. Even if you fell behind early to Idaho, there's still that kind of mindset that it's Idaho versus they fell behind early against Iowa and suddenly it's like, Oh crap, this is bad. So I, I think they would have beat Idaho, but that it's a question shows just how badly that went in week one. Exactly. But that's, that's just something I wanted to bring up to you because that was really bothering me all week thinking that we might've actually lost to Idaho. Have we played like that? Uh, hopefully that's a wake up call for this week, but just a couple of things I want to look out for. Um, Look, Michael Penix has never really been a running quarterback, even before his devastating leg injury last year. I don't blame him for being a little bit hesitant in the run game. He needs to show that, especially if we're going to run this sort of motion offense with you know, play action and handoffs and we're going to establish the run. 
he needs to be there needs to be the threat of him running mm-hmm. you, you know and we just we need that for our offense to function we don't need him to be the guy who you know we don't need him to be Denard Robinson we don't need him to be Antoine Randall what we do need is for him to be Michael Penix and just give a little bit of that threat so that teams have to think a little bit you know they have to think twice if they think twice those holes are going to open for the running backs um another another couple of quick points when you're trailing an entire game I think it's a little bit disturbing that you only have five players catching passes. Um, and really, it was only two. Really, it was only two. You know, Freifogel and, and Hendershot had eight receptions of Penix's 14 completions. If you're trailing a whole game, let alone a game that you lose by four touchdowns, but if you're trailing a whole game, you need more even distribution on the ends. You, you just do. You can't get by throwing to two players you know, this is the kind of issues that, you know, being Indiana and not Ohio State brings because you can't bring all Americans off the bench. I understand that. But f- they need to diversify the passing game a little bit. And again, last thing, and it, it really just sort of goes on top of that, is, you know, is Hendershot a three reception a game guy? Uh, no. He's not. He's a bigger weapon than that. He showed that last year from the off, again, in that Penn State game and moving forward. So they need to figure out the passing game a lot. Obviously, I think a lot of that starts with the offensive line issues that you brought up. But, I mean, I don't know. It was really hard to tell, honestly, who was at fault for all that during the game, watching the game because Penix was so bad. The offensive line was so bad. The receivers, when they got those opportunities, did not make the most of them. They, j- they just didn't. And again, I don't want – look, I love Fry Fogel. You know I love Fry Fogel. You know he's our boy. I don't want to see him have you know those 14 reception games because that means that they're not diversifying the game and that we have a simple game plan. And that's the reason that we've had such bad postseason, quote-unquote, success the last five years or so in, under, the, under uh, Tom Allen – is just we don't have that sort of diversity, and that is something I'm really looking for moving forward is that diversity in the passing game. It's telling that everything we're going to be watching is on the offensive side because I think all things considered, the defense was, outside of one catastrophic play, uh, largely fine on the day. The offense really put them in some rough situations. So the offense really has a lot to show on Saturday. I think everybody will be watching that side of the ball. That'll be the football talk for today and for this podcast. As I mentioned yesterday, I did not have time to react to the IU basketball schedule, so we will take a look at that here shortly. Before we jump to that, did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, then you're really missing out. Whether it's coconut, cherry barcia, salted caramel, cookies and cream, everything in between. If you don't know which one is your favorite, they have a mix box for you guys where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are they tasty, though, they're healthy as well. They Each bar has 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. They're amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today over at built.com and use promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. 
So the schedule came out on Wednesday afternoon. Really weren't many surprises. That's why I wasn't jumping at the bit to uh, get any kind of breaking news out there. Uh, we more or less knew what the schedule would look like based on obligations with various things. We can start with the non-conference schedule. Um, I mean, you're, the big games you're looking at are the Gavit Games, St. John's in mid-November, the ACC Big Ten Challenge at Syracuse, and the final, I don't think it's actually been official yet, but presumably the final Crossroads Classic game against Notre Dame. Uh, do any of those games in particular stick out to you? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Absolutely not. Look, you you obviously get you know the the Syracuse game with uh, what happened in two thousand and twelve thirteen again. Trigger warning. Sorry, we got that in. Late. That's my bad. I sh- I should have warned everyone. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, other than that Cuse game where we get a, a a chance at you know symbolic revenge, if anything, given that that was nine years ago, eight years ago now. Um, n- nothing really through the, you know, through that first slate. It's, it's interesting. I remember someone, I think it was, um, I don't remember who it was, but someone pointed out on Twitter during the season last year, Archie's doing everything that Indiana fans wanted Tom Crean to do, you know, schedule tougher non-conference opponents, et cetera, et cetera, but he's not winning. And we seem to have gone back this year, at least a little bit in the sense of scheduling non-conference opponents. Uh, look, you know, Jackson State, Marshall, Louisiana, all at home. These are all stupidly winnable games. I, I hate to even call them winnable because they should be games that we outright win and win comfortably. But look, you never know because this is Indiana. Um, but I, I like that we've dialed that back a little bit, especially with the team in transition. So up to that Notre Dame game, really no surprises, nothing that I'm too much looking out for except for those of us with traumatic internal scars from that from that Syracuse game. We can uh, we can hopefully get a little bit of a little bit of closure with that era and and move on fully for once. There will never be closure. Um <laughs> It makes more sense this right this specific season to have those games because you're under a new coach with a whole bunch of new players. There doesn't appear they're going to do any like open exhibition games, which I think they've been kind of secretive about what they're doing. I think they want to keep as little tape out there as possible until the season starts. So it sounds like it'll be a couple closed door scrimmages. Not shocking. Um but yeah, the non-conference schedule is not going to be uh, a very tough one. I I mean, aside from maybe that Syracuse and Notre Dame game, I think it's one that they could should win every game, as you said. Uh, the conference schedule, again, the Big Ten isn't quite the beast it has been in, in recent years, but uh, there are a couple of interesting stretches. To me, um, the biggest one is from February 12th until the 24th. They play at Michigan State versus Wisconsin, at Ohio State versus Maryland. Uh, that is, they kick the season off versus Nebraska and then at Wisconsin. Is this the year they finally win at Wisconsin? <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. That's that's rich. Um, I won't I won't make that prediction until I see that Mark Jackson has adequately figured out 
how to play offense against his own defense against Syracuse. Once I can see that, once that's my sort of gauging point of, okay, this guy knows how to actually coach around issues, then I'll be like, you know what? Maybe we can go into Madison and win. Maybe. But until I see, until I know that we can figure out the simplest, the, you know, the simplistic offense of beating his own defense, I have, I'm not going to get optimistic. I mean, what what do you think? Because I'm look, I'm optimistic when it comes to IU football. I am pessimistic as hell when it comes to the <laughs> basketball team. Honestly, I don't really have any. I just don't have a feel for this team, so I don't really know how to predict anything. That's why I wasn't also. Look, I can sit here and read the schedule to you guys, which is effectively what we're doing. Maybe pick out a couple of difficult parts until we see like actual IU footage. Like it's just us guessing. Yeah. Like we read some stuff about the Bahama trip. They released a little bit of footage. We're all just kind of guessing at what this Mike Woodson thing will look like. All I can tell you is Trace Jackson Davis is going to be a monster. And that's about all I know for sure with this team, because outside of that, it's just a whole bunch of unknown parts coached by a wholly unknown coach when it comes to college basketball. Look, we look, we went from Tom Crean who could, coached the hell out of an offense despite only running one or two players um, and could not coach defense to Archie Miller, who could coach neither offense nor defense. Um, (laughs) So I'm hoping Mike Woodson, knowing his reputation in the NBA, can come in and sort of stay, if not fix the defense in one year, because like TJD, wonderful player, awesome basketball player, love rooting for him, clearly loves the school, clearly loves the culture is not the world's best plus defender. He he, he just is not a plus defender. So it's going to be interesting to see how he gets these guys to buy into his defensive system. I'm not expecting, you know, typical Big Ten basketball or even, you know, last year we'll go up against Northwestern and it's 43-45 with a minute and a half left. I don't expect that kind of defense. I am strictly looking for buy-in and improvement, player buy-in and and improvement. The recruiting, we can wax lyrical or criticize as much as we want. None of that is going to matter until we see if Woodson's system works. And none of that is going to matter with the schedule until we see if Woodson's system works. I think it will. I was not entirely optimistic about the hire. I, I, quite frankly, I was really mad about the hire. Not in the sense that I don't like Mike Woodson, in the sense that it very clearly seemed to be a let's get an IU guy and just worry about the rest later. That was my issue with the process. But I do think Mike Woodson's a good coach. The question is, can he get these guys to buy into his system? And is the system meant for college at all? Yeah, the buy-in seems to be there. Everything, there's a lot of quotes coming out that wouldn't and didn't come out last season. So at least with the team they have now, the buy-in seems to be there. Based on his early recruiting, the buy-in seems to be there. But Archie Miller recruited well, and we saw where that where that led us. So, no, look, we got we got you know we in the past ten years we were so blessed in state. You know, Cody Zeller, Yogi Ferrell came, then Crean sort of ran dry in you know in the Indiana pipeline. That was really the big death knell for him. I think was not being able to land those IU rec- Indiana recruits. Yeah. Archie did a good job of recruiting. It did a very good job, I'd, I'd say, of recruiting in state. Had no idea how to actually utilize the guys. So I'm really hoping that Woodson finds that good middle ground look. I don't need to land every top recruit in the state. I would like to land the top recruit in the state. 
if not the top two, depending on the class, depending on the year, land one of the top two and just see the buy-in and see that the buy-in is working, that they're buying into the system, that they're buying into Woody, that all of it. Look, Mike Woodson is not a guy that's going to leave us for Duke. He's not a guy that's going to leave us for greener pastures. I know IU fans have that sort of gatekeeping mentality where it's IU and we're the top, we're the zenith. I think we need to accept that that's not the case anymore in the modern economics of college basketball. But I think that we have a route to get there. And I don't think that there are many better jobs than Indiana. I think there are better situations than Indiana. And if we can fix the situation, then we don't have to worry about anything else. And everything is just going to be so much smoother. And I'm begging for things to be smoother. Things haven't been smooth for so long, Jacob, please. I'm trying to think the last time I it was smooth at, with IU basketball, because even when Tom Crean was winning Big Ten titles, they were coming out of nowhere in seasons where it felt like he was going to be fired. So he was the, he was the king of overperforming with worse players and underperforming with better players. He he really mastered that craft. So for now, just look at it words. Yeah, for now, I am cautiously optimistic, but we will have plenty of time in the future to talk basketball. That will do it for today's show. Jared, welcome aboard. As I said, we will have him on. Uh, most often on Tuesdays to talk about the previous game and then kind of transition into the next week uh, throughout the football season. And then uh, however the basketball season unfolds, we'll we'll have him around then as well. Uh, as always, if you guys can, I want this to be a conversation. Leave your ratings, leave your reviews, uh, tweet at us at LO underscore Hoosiers. Let us know Uh, what you think, and if you have any opinions about the schedule or what to watch for Saturday's game. We will have a reaction on Monday, and I will, if you follow the Twitter account, I will have a Locked On Now instant reaction to hopefully a Hoosier win on Saturday evening, Sunday morning, sometime around then. So while you are over uh, subscribing to the podcast if you haven't already take a look at the new locked on bets podcast hosted by your boy q and handicapping expert lee sterling they'll have your daily picks your blowout specials everything you need over there follow the locked on bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag or wherever you get podcasts have a great friday have a great weekend and leo